0: Well, hi, everybody. My name is Steve, and I'm a worrier. <clears throat> Thanks for being here to support me. I remember the first time I ever experimented with worry. I was in the fifth grade, and I came into the room for a social studies test, and I realized that I hadn't really studied for it. And uh, not only did I not know who Hannibal was, but I didn't even have two sharpened number two pencils. And I started to worry and that coping mechanism became instrumental for me in dealing with school and so it then expanded beyond social studies and i started to worry about every class that i took well what if i didn't remember you know how to divide fractions or what if what if i could never remember how to diagram a sentence and then i started worry started to overcome me but before long worrying about school just wasn't enough and so One day, I remember I was a freshman in high school and I was digging through my dad's dresser drawers and I found, uh, as I did, and I found uh, some of those magazines. You know the ones I'm talking about Time, (laughs) Newsweek, the Christian Science Monitor. Man, there's some stuff to worry about in there because at that time they were talking about the the Soviet Union and the the Soviet Union was becoming a world power and nuclear award. Does anybody remember the movie The Day After? And so that, that became popular. And so then I had to worry about not just stuff in my own little world in school, but stuff all throughout the whole world. And then one day something magical happened that fed my addiction to worry even more. We got cable TV and the cable news network do you guys remember that 24 hours a day I had access to everything in the world that there was to worry about everything and then I went off to college and and somehow I made it through college despite all my anxiety dreams about showing up to the test and not have studied and being in my underwear and um I worried about that but then I got through and I got I got married and bought a house and had kids and it just opened up a whole new world of worry for me but not anymore Because something happened in my life and it changed and it was Jesus Christ came into my life and Jesus took that away from me. And it wasn't an easy process and it wasn't a fast process, but it's something that, and I still continue to deal with it. I still struggle with it. I mean, I worry about coming up here and talking to you guys. I mean, what if I don't present the message right? What if what I say doesn't mean anything to you? What if I really screw up? And then I I worry about that, and then I get people that come around me and encourage me. And I got this phone call this week from Paul Mumaw, who's going to be our our pastor. And, um, well, I got a voicemail from him. I just want you to listen to this. Listen to this phone call. Steve, it's
1: Paul Mumaw from Louisville, Kentucky, man. Uh, Hope you're doing well. Uh, Sorry I missed you today, but uh, just wanted to call and say hi and hope things are going great with you guys. Uh, Me and my fam, we're real excited about getting up there to Noblesville and, you know, trying to get our house sold here, and, you know, we'll be moving in just a couple of weeks, and uh, I know that you're preaching this weekend, and I'm really excited about this new hostage series that you guys are doing and and preaching on worry. I mean, yeah, I mean, we all struggle with worry, but I just wanted to just call and kind of encourage you today. Um, I think you do a great job when you preach, and just really excited about the gifts God's given you, and, and trust that you'll do a really good job today, um, but man, don't mess up, you know, I mean, this this is a big day, and so, you know, while, while I believe you can do it, um, man, just, wow, this is a really, really big deal, and I mean, if you, if you mess this up today, wow, I, I just can't imagine, like, what the ramifications would be, and, you know, how people, you know, could just really take it the wrong way, and how it really could jeopardize the future of the church and I mean God's kingdom and fulfilling the great commission and all that stuff but I I know you'll do a good job and I know you'll take it seriously but I hope you will Uh, I mean I hope you do take it seriously because well I mean this is big I mean this is huge in fact I I really can't believe that you're like you're even willing to do this and to take all that pressure on your shoulders but but hey man you'll do good and and I'll be praying for you and and so blessings to you and uh, I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks, Steve. Bye-bye. Steve, it's Paul Moubaugh from Louisville, No, please Kentucky, don't play it again. And, uh
0: <laughs> so no pressure, right? We all worry, don't we? We all worry, but the Bible tells us not to. In fact, it seems almost silly when you put worry up there with the other addictions, the other sins, all the other stuff that holds us hostage. It almost seems silly next to those things, doesn't it? But look, the Bible tells us not to murder, and generally most of us take that pretty seriously, right? The Bible tells us not to lie, and not to cheat, and not to steal, and most of us take that very seriously. The Bible tells us not to worry, and most of us ignore that. We worry you're probably worried about something that happened this morning on your way to church. In fact, I think Sunday morning tends to be the bastion of worry for a great part of America because so many things that happen in so little time and we worry about everything and we worry about what people are gonna think of us when we get there and we worry about not getting our kids ready on time and we worry about everything that happens on Sunday morning. And in fact, you may be standing here or sitting here right now and be worried about something right now. Most of you probably are, even as I speak. But <clears throat> Paul One of the writers of the New Testament has great instruction about worry. And if you have your Bible, if you open it to Philippians chapter 4, I want to just read you what Paul says about worry. Philippians 4, 6, he says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, you, you read that, and you think, well, that's great. That's, that's easy for Paul to say. He was clearly living in the center of God's will, right? I mean, he, was, he, he knew what he was on earth for. He knew what he was doing. And that would, all, that would be a great excuse and a great explanation, except that Paul is writing this from prison, an experience that most of us have never had, and those of us who have probably don't want to experience again. But we do worry. We worry that we may not be able to hold on to our jobs, that maybe our boss doesn't like the work we're doing. We worry that our kids may grow up to be delinquents or bullies or drifters or lawyers. (laughs) We worry that people might find out that underneath our layers and layers of personality, we're not really as smart or interesting or funny as people think we are. And sometimes we even worry that there's nothing to worry about. What are my kids up to? It's too quiet. I'm worried about that. And even as Christians, those of us who have chosen to follow Christ, we know that we're not supposed to worry. So what do we do? Instead, we get concerned, right? I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about her. I'm concerned about the direction she's taking in her life. So why is that? Why is it when we're pushed out of our comfort zone, we can't break free? Why is it we're chained in by our worry? Well, I was thinking about this message this week and I was uh, It was such a beautiful week weather-wise, and every night I was out, and <clears throat> uh, we have a big firewood pile from some trees that we cut down a couple years ago, and I realized some of it was starting to rot, and so I decided I was just going to have you know, some campfires at night, and I started to burn this rotted wood, and, and I, I, I threw a couple pieces in there, and I noticed that there were carpenter ants in there, in the, in the wood, so I needed to get rid of it, and so I start burning this, and, and these ants did something interesting. They walked outside of their little holes in the wood, and they look up and they see that there's a fire and smoke. And they kind of run around in circles a few times. And then they run right back into the log. And I thought, well, that's interesting because I'm sure it's hot in there and I'm sure the smoke's coming from there. But this is their comfort reflex. They want to go back to what they know and what they're comfortable with, right? So they run out, they see there's a problem and then they go back inside in their house and they they cover themselves up. And I thought about that and I think we do the same thing, don't we? When we're confronted with a situation that we can't completely control, our tendency is to go back inside and worry about what's going to happen out there while we're back in here. And it it consumes us. Our minds obsess about it sometimes. It can even to the point where it can make us physically ill, right? Now, I want to make this clear here. As I'm talking about worry today, I'm not talking about depression. I'm not talking about clinical depression. There are people who are clinically depressed, that have chemical problems, that have serious um, mental and emotional issues that they need to deal with, and they need professional help to do that. So when we talk about worry, I'm not talking about clinical depression. That is something you need to get treatment for. But when I'm talking about worry, worry doesn't just affect us emotionally, right? It doesn't just affect us physically, but it hurts us spiritually too. Worry is a sin, in fact, Romans 14.23 says everything that does not come from faith is a sin. And specifically, worry is the sin of not trusting the power and promises of God. We say that again. Worry is the sin of not trusting the power and the promises of God. We worry because we don't believe that God is who he says he is or that he won't deliver on the things that he's promised us. Worry is really powerful. It, it seeps in really quietly kind of under the doors like the smoke that we saw in the video, and it comes in quietly and it becomes louder and louder until if we don't defeat it, it completely overwhelms us. You know, it it can completely overwhelm the voice of God in our lives. In fact, the Bible says that sometimes that God speaks to us in a whisper, but worry screams at the top of its lungs. And because of that, it has power in in our lives. And so, if we're gonna defeat worry, We need a plan. And so I want to, just in the next few minutes, I want to give you three things that I think you can do, that we can do, to help defeat worry in our lives. Number one, I will do what God says. Many of our worries stem from the fact that we don't know if we're doing God's will for our lives or not. We're doing the things we want to do or that seem to be right for us or that feel good for us. And we worry about those things. We worry about our jobs sometimes because we don't know whether or not this is really what God's call is on our life or whether we've just become so comfortable with our financial situation there that we just need to keep doing it, right? We worry that we won't be able to pay our bills, or we're not, but we're not tithing like God's called us to do. And we know that he says that he'll bless us if we do. We're not being prudent managers of our money. Proverbs says a foolish man devours all he has. Or we worry because there's some other sin in our lives that's completely overtaken our lives, and we've changed our schedule, and we've changed our pattern just so we can indulge in this, and we worry that somebody's going to find out. James one twenty two says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling God, right? No, we're not only fooling God. We're only fooling ourselves. He, God knows how things will turn out. We're not, we don't fool him when we don't do his word. We fool ourselves. And so many times we worry about whether we're really in God's will and we see something that looks like just a perfect opportunity and we feel like that even though maybe all the details are a little sketchy and it's not quite figured out, um, that everything's not tied up, that if we miss it, it's gonna be gone. But God doesn't specialize in halfway. If God wants something to happen to our lives and we pray and we listen to his voice, all the pieces will fall in place, and it'll become painfully obvious what to do. I want to give you an example. Say you, on your way to work, you drive, by, drive down the same road every day, and you see on the right side of the road there is a house, and it's your dream house. And you just, you drive by, and sometimes you just find yourself, and you're lost, and you're daydreaming, and you think, someday, we're going to be in that house. And one day, your coworker asked you, um, "Hey, have you guys ever thought about moving? Have you ever thought about selling your house? Well, yeah, we thought about it. We just really don't know where we'd go. And then on the way home from work that night, you drive by and there's a for sale sign in that yard of that house. You think this obviously is God's timing, right? Because we were just talking today about how we might move, but we don't know where we'd go. And now this place that I've been dreaming about for years is open. The only problem is you don't know how you're going to pay for it because you really can't afford that house but you start talking to your friends and you get so excited about it and you start dreaming and you look through furniture catalogs or online and you start picking out furniture for that house and you think, that is gonna be perfect. Obviously, God laid this right in your lap, but you can't afford it. It's not from God. God does not do halfway, but we worry about those things because we don't know if we're in God's will or not. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man, and God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up to it, under it. So number one, I will do what God asked me to do. Number two, I will give to God what I cannot do. Remember Philippians 4, 6, and 7? It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, don't worry about anything. But he doesn't just drop that bomb and walk away, right? He he doesn't give us a problem without a solution. He gives us a solution. Instead, he says, pray about everything. Don't worry, pray. Don't worry, pray. Sometimes... Honestly, I do both. I pray about something. God, this situation, I don't know what to do with it, so I lay it at your feet. Wait, 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 wait. I need that back. I call them prayers with fingernail marks on them. I reach up and pull them right back because I need to, you know, maybe I can control something about that situation, God. Maybe there is something that I need to worry about that. The truth for me and maybe for you is this. Much of the stuff I worry about, I have little or no control over. And that's a cause of worry for me because I can't control it. I have to examine my heart and say, why is it that I'm worried about that? You know, am I really worried about not being able to feed my kids? Or am I more worried that this standard of living I've built, this facade, is going to collapse? Am I worried that what my friends or neighbors are going to think if I lose that job or if I, you know, this happens? But the cool thing about what Paul writes is the promise in verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say that if we don't worry and we pray, that our situation is going to improve. He doesn't say that our circumstances are going to change or that if you pray to God enough that maybe that thing that you're worried about will just go away. Instead, what Paul promises is that we will have God's peace, a peace that surpasses all understanding. And I think about some of the best times in my life where I've been by myself and I've been out somewhere quiet and how quiet it's been and how peaceful it is. And I think it's nothing compared to the peace that God promises us when we stop worrying and start praying about the things that are important in our lives. And I think, what if it could be like this? What if, my, what if instead of my brain screaming at me that I need to be worried about something, I could get this kind of peace in my head uh, every day because I've prayed about things? I don't know about you, but when I just don't get that when I choose to hold on to something myself or worry about it myself. My mother-in-law, Benita's mom, who I I love, is the world champion, gold medal-winning worrier. She worries about everyone, especially her kids, especially people she loves. And one time she was worried about one of her kids and a relationship they were in, and and she told Benita, she said, you know, it's the sign of a good parent to worry about your kids. Really? The sign of a good parent? Maybe the sign of a worry wart. Sign of a good parent? Look at 2 Timothy 1 7 says for god has given us a spirit of fear or has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity But of power and love and self-discipline The truth is that worry is a natural comfortable place for us to be when things are outside our control It's kind of the the linus's blanket inside our head, right? It's something we cling to when we have nothing else but, but look at this. 2 Corinthians five seventeen says, therefore, if anyone is a new Christ, he's in, is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. When we make this decision to follow Christ, we can't just you know pin that on like a blue ribbon you might win for your pig at the fair, right? It's just not something that we add to everything we already are. Well, I'm 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 this and I'm this and I'm this and I, oh now I'm a Christ follower. Okay, I'm going to add that on there, right? Because when you strip away all the ribbons, it's still a pig. So. When you, if you think about Paul, and you know the story of Paul in the New Testament and the way Paul encountered Christ, and he was, he was Paul, if you don't know, wrote most of the New Testament. And Paul, before he did that, he was the guy that held the coats for people who would kill Christians. There were people following Christ, and, and the Jews, the Pharisees of the day, would walk around and, and would, would kill people who were following Christ, and Paul would hold their coats for them. So he was a, an instrument in that. But when he encountered Christ, he was walking to Damascus to do this very thing. And he stopped and he saw Christ and he fell down on his knees and he couldn't speak. And, and Christ changed his life so dramatically that he couldn't just the next day go back to work and keep holding coats for people who are killing Christians and say, oh, well, I'm a Christian now, but I'm still going to do this, right? Because this is my job, this is who I am, and that's who I am too, and then this is who I am too, and this is what I do for fun. You don't, we don't just add it on. It's not just another thing of who we are. When we encounter Christ, our lives should change completely. We should be so overwhelmed by his presence in our life that everything we are, everything we have is changed. The Bible says the old is gone, which means our old ways, our old comfortable places, our old ways of coping, we need to lay them down. Give them up. They're gone. Put them down and give our worries to God. Not to do that means the old really isn't gone. 1 Peter 5.7 says, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. And that's what we should do. Number two, I'll give to God what I cannot do. Number three, and I think this one's the most important, no matter what happens, I will trust God. Matthew six thirty four says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Why not worry? Well, as Rick Warren says, whenever you see a therefore, you need to look back and find out what it's there for. I can't believe I just quoted Rick Warren in a sermon, but I did. Therefore, so if you look back at verse 6, why shouldn't we worry? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. You know, there are great Bible stories about Daniel and about. Daniel, if you don't know the story of Daniel, Daniel was a uh, servant for the king and he was the king's number one servant. And, and the king had asked everyone to bow down to him and Daniel refused. He wouldn't bow down to anyone except God. And uh, this king didn't believe in his God. And so Daniel stood firm and he sought God's kingdom first. And even though he was in a lot of trouble, the, the, the king's uh, people came to him and said, throw him in a den of lions. You know, get rid of him. That Daniel, he's no good. He won't bow to you, king. And so they threw him in the den of lions and Daniel didn't worry because he was seeking God's kingdom first, and he was delivered from that situation. And if you look at Abraham, Abraham wasn't, didn't have any kids, and God had promised him that he was going to have more descendants than all the stars in the sky. And um, Abraham could have worried a lot about that, but he didn't. He just kept following God. Every time God would say, Abraham, he'd say, here I am. Here I am, God. I'm ready for you. And Abraham was delivered from that situation. And my favorite is Joseph, the story of Joseph, where... Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers, and he, he was left for dead, sold into slavery by his brothers. He uh, was falsely accused of, of um, sexually assaulting his boss's wife. He got thrown into prison, um, and everywhere he went, the Bible tells us that God was with him. God was with him. God, J- Joseph was, was uh, a slave, but God was with him. Joseph was in prison, but God was with him. And in the end, he's delivered from that situation. And I just think about that and how it plays in our lives. And all of us are in situations, maybe not quite like that, but all of us are in a situation that we are worried sick about. And the truth is that each of them trusted God no matter what happened, and they were delivered from that situation. They were delivered from their circumstances. And we too can be delivered from that. But we have to make the decision to trust God no matter what. You know, there's this time when Jesus was talking to his disciples about What they would face in the future and he gathered them around and he said you'll be imprisoned You'll be persecuted. You'll be tortured You'll be brought in front of kings and governors to tell your story and jesus says but make up your mind Not to worry about what to say make up your mind. There's there's implicit in here There's this decision that we can make we can make up our mind Not to worry about it. He says i'll give you the right words when the time comes Make up your mind not to worry. We've got to make up our mind to trust God no matter what. So three things. I will do what God asked me to do. I will give to God what I cannot do. And no matter what happens, I will trust God. By doing these things, we can break the chains and we can free ourselves from bondage to worry. And maybe today there's something that's worrying you. Maybe there's something that you're worried about that you've really been unable to let go of. And something's eating you, wearing you down. It's sapping your strength. It's making you sick. You want so desperately to give it to God. And in just a few minutes, we're going to have a chance to do that. And I want you to be thinking about that. Um, In a minute, the band's going to come up and they're going to do a song. And I really hope this song is going to be an encouragement to you because it talks about God's faithfulness and how God never lets go of us. No matter what situation we're in, no matter what our circumstances are, no matter what we're going through and what we're worried about, God holds on to us no matter what. And that's what this, that's what this song is about that we're gonna do in a minute. And after this, I'm gonna walk you through an exercise where we're gonna um, have a visual representation of, of trusting God no matter what and let our worries to go to him. When uh, we moved into a new house about a year ago and my daughter Audrey in the middle of the night was just screaming. She would wake up screaming at the top of her lungs. And one night I remember running upstairs and she was sitting upright in bed. It was about two in the morning. And she was sitting upright in bed and she was screaming and she was looking over at this chair in the corner of her room. And I said, Audrey, what is it, honey? And she said, there's a monster behind that chair. And I... I said, honey, there's no monster behind that chair. And she wouldn't stop screaming. And I tried to hold her, and she was bold upright like this. And I mean, you you ever have that situation where your kid's like so scared that they're just solid, just stiff, stiff as a rod? And I tried to hold her, and she said, there's a monster behind that chair. And so I I got up, and I I went over there behind the chair, and I looked, and I I mean, I knew there wasn't a monster, but I had to look, you know, just to make sure. (laughs) And so... I tried to comfort her, I tried to show her, I tried to do everything I could to to say, it's going to be okay, honey, it's going to be okay. And all I could do, all I could do was to hold on to her. I grabbed her in my arms and I held her and I said, honey, honey, daddy's here, I'm not going to let go. Daddy's here, sweetheart, I'm not going to let go. Daddy's here, I'm not going to let go. And maybe that's just what we need today, is just to know that, that that daddy's got us. I'm not a perfect father, I'm, I'm a person, but God is a perfect father. And if I'm that committed to making sure that if everything's under control for my daughter, to not letting go, you can be sure that God is too. Will you pray with me? Lord, I, uh, I don't know what people are facing in this room. I don't know what, uh, what the worries and cares and struggles and concerns are here, but you do. And so I just pray in the next couple minutes that uh, the song would be encouraging to people, that uh, as we contemplate on this and we think about your word and the promises you've made to us that that we will have a great assurance that you are never going to let go of us, that uh, you've got it all under control. Lord, I pray that each and every person in this room will be given the strength to know that they can trust you no matter what happens in their lives. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.